In almost any love story, there's this part where one person sets eyes on the other. And suddenly, their whole world opens up. And from that moment on, everything changes. That is exactly what happened to Antony von Leeuwenhoek. Chapter 1. Love at First Sight. Once upon a time, 1674 to be exact, Antony von Leeuwenhoek was living in the Netherlands, and he was a draper. He spent a lot of his life looking really closely at different types of fabric. He actually ground his own teeny tiny single lens microscopes. And Antony was also a curious guy. So one day, he collected some water from a nearby lake and put it under one of his microscopes. And suddenly, something very strange came into focus. Bizarre-looking creatures whirled and zipped around in that drop of water. It was an entire tiny universe. Some people call this story the start of microbiology. But to me, it's the meat cue. It's the moment when humans first set eyes on microbes. And today, we're visiting a museum that traces the history of this small but big love story. Through good times and bad, through sickness and health. I'm Dylan Thuris, and this is Atlas Obscura, a daily celebration of the world's strange, incredible, and wondrous places. Today, we're going to Micropia, the world's only museum dedicated to microscopic organisms. And we're going to learn about our invisible life companions who we truly, truly can't live without. That's after this. If you're looking for a place where the wide open skies and the towering mountains inspire you to find an untapped part of yourself, you might want to take a trip to Wyoming. It's a place where bold, curious spirits forge their own way on all types of adventures. There is no shortage of iconic, expansive landscapes out there. You can discover breathtaking hikes, stunning state parks, authentic Western culture, and other historic sites, along with the tales of famous outlaws like Butch Cassidy and pioneers like Buffalo Bill Cody. The truth lies west. Discover yours at TravelWyoming.com. Chapter 2. You've been here all along. This love story is kind of like one of those Hallmark holiday movies, where the main character is on the brink of marrying some very attractive, very successful person that they met in the big city. But then they come home and realize that their true love has always been there, that they grew up together. They were always in each other's lives, and they just didn't realize that their bond was so intimate. Do I think about microbes all the time? Well, pretty much, yeah. Um, But that's simply because microbes uh, have a hand in, well, everything, really. There's not a thing you can think of that microbes aren't linked to. Jasper Bax is a microbiologist who heads up Micropia in Amsterdam. It's part museum, part tiny zoo, and part laboratory for hundreds of different kinds of microorganisms. He says microbes and humans... They go way back. Take, for example, cyanobacteria. They produce up to 70% of our oxygen and have been doing so for 3 billion years. So without those microbes, we wouldn't be here, or at least not in the shape and form that we are now using oxygen to, to live. 
Microbes have also helped us eat for, well, at least the past 13,000 years. We've been making beer and bread for, for that amount of time. And of course, back then, people didn't know that there were very small organisms that were actually helping them make that beer or bread or whatever food they were fermenting. So across the globe, for tens of thousands of years, we've basically been getting drinks and having dinner dates with our microbe friends. Whether through beer, kefir, injera, or, say, cheese. So they went roaming around, carrying the milk of their cattle with them. Um, but those bacteria that were already in the, in the stomachs of those, those dead cattle um, started to ferment the milk into cheese or other uh, or, um, uh, dairy products. But it took until uh, 350 years ago or something before the first microbes were actually made visible. Remember, that's when our hunky Draper Antony from Chapter 1 first peered into his microscope. At Micropia, you can actually relive this moment of boy meets E. coli for yourself. We have over 200 different species of microbes that you can actually see with your own eyes, um, varying from, from bacteria to fungi to yeasts to uh, archaea. When we say microbes, we're basically microbes. referring to any microscopic living thing. That includes the bacteria that live on a light switch or the yeast that makes your sourdough rise or even the teeny tiny animals so small that they're only visible under a microscope, like the tardigrade. I'm not sure if you can call it cuddly, but in comparison to bacteria or fungi or whatever, um, it has a more cuddly appearance, I guess. Under a microscope, the tardigrade looks a little bit like an eight-legged bear with the hole in the middle of its face. It's sort of like a, looks like a teeny tiny gummy bear to me. And it is uh, pretty cute. There, there have been uh, Facebook fan pages uh, for our water bears. Uh, the, uh, there's been uh, a water bear in the new Star Trek series on Netflix. Um, I mean, they're everywhere. They're in, in South Park. Uh. Water bears are water-dwelling, eight-legged micro-animals. Timber! They're one of nature's most resilient animals. Studies have shown they can survive. The tardigrade, of course, is more than cute. It's also super, super metal. The tardigrade can survive extreme conditions like being below freezing and above boiling temperatures and can even survive in space. And one of the ways that it does this is by expelling all of the water out of its body and entering a coma-like state for sometimes decades until it's safe enough for it to resurrect itself. But that's an aside. This love story isn't about water bears or beers. The things that microbes can do, like, say, drive fermentation, are amazing. They are life-sustaining. But they can also go too far. And the same process, if you don't stop it in time, it becomes something you don't like. It starts to rot and you have to throw it out. There is such a thing as too much of a good thing. It's true in love, and it's true in microbes. Chapter 3 the honeymoon is over. We're arriving at that moment in a relationship when you realize that the love of your life has a gross side. In Micropia, you'll see an exhibit lined with big glass jars where different foods take on new shapes and colors, like a block of cheese flecked with emerald green and blanketed in a thick white fuzz. 
This chapter's protagonist is a French scientist by the name of Louis Pasteur. You might have seen his name in the dairy aisle because he invented pasteurization. He discovered that at the base of many rotting uh, processes wasn't some random luck. It was microbes that actually caused those processes. Um, so he also um, found the same thing with diseases. In 1861, Louis Pasteur identified bacteria as agents of sickness, ushering in a new era of germ theory. On one hand, this was incredibly valuable, life-saving science. It's why we survive bacterial infections that people used to regularly die from. On the other hand, Pasteur's discovery left another enduring legacy. Jasper says a lot of people equate microbes with toxicity, disease, rot, and death. And that complicates our love affair a little bit. To quote Brittany, I love what you do, but don't you know that you're toxic? Dang, that's a good song. That's a <laughs> takes you right back. Takes you back, back to that moment. Anyway, chapter four. We're in too deep. You see that a lot of people, a lot of visitors, um, at one at a certain point, they understood. Okay, so microbes are everywhere one around me. I mean, they're in the air, they're in the water, they're in the sand, in the trees, etc. But then at a certain point in Micropia, they come to find out that they are also full of microbes. In fact, we are so full of microbes that the microbial cells in our body outnumber the human ones. Microbes are quite literally our better half. This is maybe where Micropia gets a little meta. In a way, we are all walking microbe museums. To drive this idea home, the museum offers a sort of simulated ride through your own microbe-filled body. You can find out uh, what lives on your skin, in your mouth, uh, uh, underneath your, your armpits. But the most microbially dense part of you is in your gut. Over 99% of your body's microbes live in your intestines. And they're not messing around in there. We as mammals, we cannot digest uh, plant matter. So if you have a vegetarian diet um, without the proper di- uh, proper bacteria in your intestines, you wouldn't be able to digest it. Um, but what they also do is they also produce certain vitamins, uh, hormones, um, they train your immune system. Um, so and all these different um, facets of your life, they're really important. And... There's another important hotspot for microbes, your mouth. Jasper says that there are around 700 different species of bacteria that live in there. And so naturally. We also wanted to know, okay, what happens when you kiss? Chapter five, the kiss. So before Microbia opened, we asked 25 couples, okay, would you like to kiss in the name of science? And they were, okay, sure, sure, sure. I love the idea of kissing in the name of science. I am fully on board. After a 10-second French kiss, you interchange 80 million bacteria with each other. Um, And we also found that the longer you're together, the more your mouth microbiota, as it's called, starts to resemble uh, each other. Uh, It's also good for you. I mean, if you interchange those microbes, of course, you get get new microbes. um, So you You train your immune system. Swapping microbes with someone? Good for you. 
enjoying a microbial exchange with multiple people, even better. It's not such a big deal if you go out every Saturday night and kiss someone else because it might also be very healthy. Chapter 6. In Sickness and in Health. This is the point in a romantic relationship where you finally realize that your partner is an ever-changing being, that no matter how long you've known them, there's still a ton to learn. There's so much more to discover. And if you look at what we can already do with that 1% or 2% that we know now, um, we can make biofuels, we can make bioplastics, we can uh, clean our, 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 our drinking water, we can um, uh, make uh, sustainable uh, pigments, vitamins, hormones, um, and medicine, um, all with that just, just well, uh, relatively few amount of, of species that we know right now. Humans and microbes are already a power couple. But what could be possible, Jasper wonders, if we came to know even 10 or 20% of the microorganisms all around us? Climate change, pollution, uh, a lack of fossil fuels, those problems can only be solved by, by, by using microbes because even though they're really small, they, they can have a huge impact on, 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 our, uh, on our society, on our uh, planet even. Microbia is an incredible place to learn about microbes. But it's also a place to celebrate what we don't know about each other and dream about our intertwined futures, even if it feels like humans and microbes have been in this coupling together forever. You walk away from Micropia feeling like maybe this is really only the beginning of our love story. Special thanks to Jasper Bax of Micropia for taking the time to chat with us today. And if you do visit Amsterdam and you go there with someone you like to kiss and who likes kissing you, make sure to stop by Micropia's Kissimeter. 10 seconds of kissing and you'll get a readout of how many and what kinds of bacteria you just swapped. I'll say it one more time. Kissing in the name of science. What could possibly be better? This episode was reported by Abby Peralt. Our podcast is a co-production of Atlas Obscura and Witness Docs. The production team includes Doug Baldinger, Chris Naka, Camille Stanley, Manolo Morales, Sarah Wyman, Baudelaire Seuss, Guinevere Govea, McKenna Smith, Tracy Samuelson, John Delore, Peter Clowney. This episode was sound designed and mixed by Casey Holford. And I'm Dylan Therese, half man, half microbe, wishing you all the wonder in the world. Witness Docs from Stitcher. The South Dakota Stories, Volume 5. South Dakota seemed like the perfect place to unplug, but I ended up connecting to the world around me, a world where each sunset was painted, where I felt adventures pulse with every step. And where cold water trickling, pine swaying, and grunting bison became my favorite soundtracks. I just wish I didn't have to leave. There's so much South Dakota, so little time.